You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. We would like to welcome Pastor Candace now up to the thing. Yeah, if you know her, you love her. I said in the first service, which is so true, uh, if you get around her, igniting contagious faith is our thing. But if you get around her, you're going to walk away loving Jesus just a little bit more because of who she is and what she gives. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, man. If you get around Leslie, you're going to get a whole body hug. <laughs> That's how Leslie does it. She just grabs your whole body <laughs> and hugs you. I just let it happen. <laughs> um, well, good morning. The house is full. I actually, so sometimes when you sit in the front, I can like hear y'all, but um, it's good to see all of you guys here. I have been in preparation for this message for a few weeks. And over this past week, there's always a lot of uh, work that goes into uh, d developing a message. But in the process of really contending for what the Lord wants to do, I feel like he has given me a specific word that kind of supersedes this and I need to just share it. Um, over the week, I had had some old thoughts um, that I feel like the Lord has given me freedom over. They like bounce back into my mind. And sometimes your mind is like an echo chamber where it just like pinged back and forth. And I read this article that says that most of the worrisome thoughts we have in our mind, 80% of those are repeated, which means you've already thought them before and you're just repeating them again. It's the same thought on repeat. And so my prayer for myself for this week was, Lord, would you give me fresh thoughts? Would you help me to not recycle old broken thoughts? And in that prayer, I think that um, he revealed to me that there might be some people in here who are dealing with some specific repeated thoughts. And I feel like um, if you're in the house and you're a Christian and you're dealing with thoughts of suicide or thoughts of quitting, I feel like the thought was, it would be better if I didn't show up. It would be better if I wasn't there. And I feel like I want to just give you an opportunity. We're going to pray right now, but I feel like the Lord wants to raise up a hedge, which is like this big barrier, a hedge of protection to break the rep repetition of the thought that says that nobody would care if you weren't there or that you should just be a not around. And I believe that even Christian people struggle with those type of thoughts. And so if that's you, I don't know if you're watching online, but I really did feel like a really pressing, I got to do this. This is a thing because I believe that somebody's life might be on the line and your life is a gift from the spirit of God. And then no message from the enemy, no downtime, no dark season, no moment of failure should allow your life, which is a gift from the Holy Spirit, to be at risk because of the, the works of the enemy. And because the enemy really, his goal is to kill you, we actually become warriors of the enemy when we do the work in our mind. Okay, because he's operating in minds right now. So I don't know if that's you. You don't have to raise your hand, but man, we're going to pray for you right now. I don't know if you're online right now and that's you, whoever you are, we're just going to pray right now for the Lord to intercede, to go in between your thoughts and your understanding of your reality. Okay. Would you guys pray with me? If you're not having those thoughts, so then we should be praying for others. Okay. So join with me right now. We're going to do some work. So heavenly father, I know right now in the spirit world that there is a battle raging for the souls of heaven, my God. And I pray right now that you would do the work in the minds of those who are struggling 
My God, would you set people free today? We pray, God, for that victory. We pray, God, for that freedom from those ugly thoughts in Jesus' name. I pray that we would know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in Jesus' name, that we would be speaking scripture over ourselves. I pray, Father, for a rise of that hedge of protection in our minds, just to interrupt the flow of the way that the enemy is working right now in minds. I pray that you would set people free in Jesus' name. I pray for any person who might have already even contemplated a plan for how they would interrupt their engagement in this world. And I pray, Lord, that those plans would be foiled in Jesus' name and that you would bring life and reprieve and a deep breath of peace in the lives of your children in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay. Hallelujah. The rest of women may not feel so heavy, but I had to do what I had to do. We are in the middle of a series. Actually, no, this is a start of a series. I don't often get to start series, guys. So welcome to the series on, called Created to Give. If you haven't received one of these, these are the little booklets that we're going to be using throughout the series. This is day one of three weeks that we're going to be talking about generosity. The tagline, we are, we're kind of big into like really, we work on the words a lot for these sermon series. Created to Give because you are created to be a giver, okay? And we're not just talking about finances. We're talking about all the ways of generosity. But underneath it says a heart talk, and we scratched out money because, because really money just shows us what's happening inside. And when we have heart issues, we have money issues, amen? And I know and I believe that God wants us to be healthy, Okay, scripture demonstrates many patterns, many patterns. My mom used to make us clothes as a kid, um, which sounds really nice, but as a kid, I hated it because I was not a triplet. Me and my sisters, we're not the same age, but she made us all the same exact outfit. Um, And because I think she was just being frugal, she had the dress pattern and she had the fabric. And so I would get the long version and my sister would get like a medium version. My baby sister would get the fluffy version of the same exact dress. Um, But she made those clothes following a pattern. And as I read scripture, I see different ways that he has formulated a guide for how we are to live. And those guides are not just about how we're to have faith, right? Like that's not the only guideline he's given us. He's given us guidelines about parenting. He's given us guidelines about our sexuality. Like it is according to the order and the pattern of God that we are to get married before we have sex because it eliminates a whole lot of issues. Amen right? Um, There's a pattern to how we are to work and rest. God actually, he made, he uh, he demonstrated the creation of um, the entire universe in six days and then he rested. He didn't need to rest. He wasn't tired, right? He's the all-consuming mighty God, but he set a pattern for us so we would know that we can't do it all, all the time. We actually need to sit back and rest, there's patterns in scripture. And we, as we look at scripture, there are patterns of how we are to handle generosity, how we are to handle our finances more specifically. God teaches a lot against debt. He teaches a lot against greed. And sometimes I believe that we in the church, we don't really do a great job at some of the things that the Lord has already given us a pattern for. We actually watch everybody else and we do like them. And I feel like if we, as a Christian people, we exemplify the, the, or we look at the examples in scripture and we allow that to teach us, we would actually be free from a lot of things. 
okay? And I know that when you are, um, when you are burdened by debt, when you are being chased around by the creditor, when you feel like you can't give to anybody because you don't want to be took by them, when you feel like you can't um, give any more of your time or your treasure because you're overwhelmed, when we start to have issues of, um, of generosity, I believe that it actually limits what God is supposed to do within us. And he wants us to be free. He wants us not just to feel free. He actually wants us to be free, right? And it's really difficult to be free when you're um, beholden to somebody else financially. Really challenging. And so I don't want anybody in here to start to automatically sit back and pretend like this message isn't for you, like you're not going to listen, because um, some of us has been, have been hurt by um, improperly taught messages of finances in the church, we might have been hurt by that. We might have had somebody chase us down in the lobby and say, how come you're not giving? And I just want to let you know that that's not the heart here at Quininia. We're not doing that. Um, but if we ignore, if we ignore the blessing of uh, financially being a part of what's happening in the kingdom, we actually ig- ignore a huge opportunity for the Lord to teach something really deep inside of us. And so just out of, like, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but I don't want to um, have us go too far in life without actually knowing that there's a higher way. There is a better way to do certain things. And the Lord has given us a pattern for that. And I think that um, some of you guys are like, I, my money's fine. I got savings. I'm good. I pay my bills. Let's move on. I don't want to do three weeks on this. I just want to, sh- I just want to pause because having plenty of money doesn't mean you don't have an issue with money. Okay. You might still have issues with money. You might still have issues with generosity, even if you got tons of dough. And I want to prove it. <laughs> and I want to sing some songs. And so I, um, I am not Roger Watson, and so he is the king of acapella. But I also didn't want the online audience to have their feed cut off, and I, so I can't play the songs because it's illegal, right? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to sing these songs acapella. And what I need, I desperately need from you, is for you guys to play along, <laughs> okay? So basically that means I'm going to sing a little bit of a song, and when there's a blank, your job is to fill in the blank because I know you know the lyrics, okay? Uh, this was my first time ever hearing these songs because I only listen to Christian music. No, I'm just kidding. Ha! Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No judgment, guys. If you know these songs, you're like, dang, that's my jam. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's mine too. There's no judgment here, I promise. Ready? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sing the song and then you guys are going to fill in the blank. Ready, ready, ready? Money, 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 money! Uh, you guys know it. You guys are great. So there is a whole artistic world centered and built around the love of money. Let's sing another one. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want Yeah, I want money. I want it. This girl's just saying, she's like, she knows there's better things out there, but I don't want that. I want cash. <laughs> give me that money. Ready? So you take my money. When I'm in need, yeah, she's a trifling friend indeed. Oh, she's a way over town. I didn't say it, but she digs on me. (laughs) I didn't say it. You guys tell Andrew. I did not say gold digger. Okay. She works hard for the money. So hard for it, honey. She works hard for the money. So you... Yeah, you guys are so cool. Give yourselves a hand. Thank you for participating. You guys did way better than first service. They are way too holy. They refused to sing Kanye with me. I was like, oh, I know you know these lyrics. Okay. 
okay. <laughs> okay. You are created to give. You're created to give, primarily because the one who created us made us in his image, and he has given so freely. So you are created to give just as God does with us, just as God does with us. And so he is the ultimate example, right? He is the ultimate example. So we look at how God gave his people so much. That's how we are to live generously. Okay, and I tell you, looking at God as the example always sets me up for um, needing to do more. I don't know. I mean, I can work on generosity, I think, my entire life and still be outdone by the Lord. And so I do know that this is a message for all of us because we're aiming high. Our aim is to look like Jesus, so we'll never be done. Amen? We'll never be done. We serve a generous God. We serve a God who um, cannot be outmatched or undone. He has given liberally. He's given without something in return. He gave freely. He gave his best. He gave his most precious. He gave, the, um, he gave uh, luxuriously. He gives lavishly. He gives. And even in saying that, I can, I, can, um, I can assume that there are some people in here who feels like, well, he never gave me anything. Because sometimes when we're in church and we, we, can, we can only see our own struggles, like our own struggles are the only thing that we see, we start to doubt the character of God. And I just want to invite you to continue listening. Because the longer you're with the Lord, the better he looks. The longer you're with the Lord, the better he looks because you start to learn more and more of his character. And then what's, what's happened for me is the more I walk with the Lord, the more I see in my history how he was there even though I didn't know he was there. He's revealed to me his presence in times when I ignored him completely. I was like, oh, God was there. He was so good to help me through that. He was so good to not let me have that. He's so generous with us, and that is the goal of generosity for our, um, for our house. So this workbook, we have created this. Actually, we didn't create this. I lied. This is, you can see on the bottom, it says Mana House. Mana House is one of the churches that we partner with. They're in Portland, Oregon. They're incredible. Um, but they made this beautiful book, and they said, hey, Candice, you can have this. Actually, hey, Andrew, you can have this. And so we just, we didn't steal it at all. We just took what they gave us. They have this really cool workbook. Um, and so in, I wanted one per household to have this, primarily because it gives some resources for you guys to, to work with, some activities for you to work with as a family. So if you feel like you got generosity, there are literally, generosity is a gift, right? Like you can have a gift of faith, you can have a gift of mercy. There are people who have a gift of generosity. And so you might feel like, oh man, I got this. I'm so excited she's helping all these other people, right? Um, just kidding, you would never have those thoughts. But if you're, if you're a person where you feel like you got this a little bit, it is, your, it is your chance, your opportunity to bring your household up into it. We need to be teaching our children how to be people who are generous. And let me tell you, children, aren't, they don't come that way. <laughs> they do not start off like wanting to share their best, right? They do not. They're mine, right? Um, and so I want, I want one per household because I don't want this to be, I know a lot of people, you guys have independent bank accounts, and I won't you know, comment on that, but I don't want us to have independent 
independent thought processes about how God wants to handle our finances as a household. I want us in unity in households to work together to have a heart and a spirit of generosity that whether we have enough or we feel or we know we don't have enough, that doesn't discount us from being people who live generously. And that lesson starts now, no matter what age you are, and it goes on forever. So let's work together. Inside here, there's all kinds of little things. And so you can see on the first couple pages, if you turn with me, um, that's, there's a place that says created to give week one. You can take notes there if you want. I'm not a notes on paper person. I'm a notes on my tech person. Um, I take notes on my phone or my laptop. But then through here, you can see there's all these little things. It says God's generosity to me. And so you just go through and you start to answer those questions because I think how we see God is how we view the world. And so before you start adjust, addressing your heart of generosity, you got to address your view of Jesus. You got to address your view of God. And so there's all these different prompts, different ways that you guys can talk. I would encourage you, if you don't already have a time where your family talks about spiritual things, use this. Use this to be like, hey guys, did you know that God is a, good, a giving God? How can we be a giving family? Just ask and see what the, your kids come up with. Kids have really good ideas. They have really brilliant ideas and involve them in the process of growing up here. Um, today's, the title today is about uh, centered around two approaches to life. Two approaches to life. And um, if any of you guys, are, I'm pretty argumentative, so is Chad. That's why we fight each other all the time, because two argumentative people in the room, we just can't help it. We just have to fight each other. Um, immediately when I started thinking about two approaches to life, my first thought was, there's always another option. There's not just two. Of course there's more. Um, okay, I get it. I'm there with you. I argued myself. And I was like, there's plenty of approaches. Don't use finite numbers. But for the sake of today, we're going to talk about two main approaches to life. One main approach being um, being self-consumed and the other approach being God-consumed. And those two approaches, just directions, which direction are you facing? Are you aiming towards the Lord or are you aiming towards self? And let's just assume that there's no other option. It's one or the other. This is actually one of the, this, this rubric, this idea of uh, just being for the Lord or against the Lord, that's actually sometimes how I measure my life because if I don't do that, um, specific and kind of aggressive judgment standard, I can justify a whole lot of icky stuff for me. And so I'm like, was that for the Lord or was that against the Lord? Right? So I can say a word and it's the right words, but it's, it's spoken out of spite. It might've been the right words, but it wasn't for the Lord because I know my heart. Right? And so I, I'm judging myself according to this really, really biopic, this uh, dual kind of thought process. It's either for God or it's against God. It's either for God or it's for self. And I try to measure everything to that. Like the way I raise my kids, it's either for God or it's for me. The way I spend my money, it's either for God or it's for me. The way I am with my spouse, it's either for God or it's for me. Right? And so I try to measure those things up because um, it'll, it'll, it'll keep us tight. It'll keep us from excusing a whole lot of yuck. Um, because if it's not th those two things, then I look around at other people. I'm like, well, at least I'm not doing that. And then it can make me feel okay. But I aim high. I, I aim towards holy. As my Father in heaven is holy. It's for the Lord. Two approaches. So let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 12. I'm going to read a story. It's a pretty well-known story. And we're going to flesh it out. Two approaches. John chapter 12, starting in verse 1. I'm using the New King James Version. It's my first time ever in big church. Um, I'm really proud. It makes me feel really holy, just to be honest. <laughs> it doesn't make me more holy, but it makes me feel more holy. Okay. 
<laughs> so if you guys want to click over to me and be holy with me, that would be great. John chapter 12. I'm totally kidding, guys, if you're new. That's a joke. And if he's okay, too. Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Let's pause. He's setting a scene, right? John's telling the story. He's setting the scene. So Jesus just previously had just raised Lazarus from the dead. If you don't know the story of Jesus, man, Jesus was a man who did miracles. He lived perfect. That's a miracle. And as he walked and talked, people's illnesses fell off. People's judgments were dropped. Um, He just changed the world wherever he walked. And his friend died. Okay, his friend died. His friend Lazarus died. And it says that he was dead for four days. So it's not like when you watch, you know, ER or, you know, Grey's Anatomy or whatever shows you're watching where it's like they're dead, you know, and they're doing the thing. And then they bring him back to life. Like, it's not like that. He was dead, dead. Four days dead, very stinky dead, stiff, rigor mortis, all the things. And, sorry, that might not have been too much, but. <laughs> so he goes in, he's fully dead, right? He goes in and then he raises him from the dead. And it's almost like he needed to prove, I need to show the world who's in charge. Praise the Lord. <laughs> If you ever doubt the power of our Jesus, he rose a man from the grave four days after he dead, after he was dead, and then him, his own self, he raised himself from the dead three days after he was murdered. What a powerful God. What a powerful example we get to follow. He's the one setting the pattern, and he doesn't set the pattern, and it's like, man, I hope he did it the best. We can have confidence that God is the best at every single thing because he does things like raise people from the dead. He raised himself from the dead. So I can have full confidence that if Jesus says, don't get into debt, I better listen to him. If Jesus says, hey, I need you to give to the church, I better listen to him. If he says, I need you to live generously, I better listen to him because He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and nobody else is. He's the example, right? So John is setting the scene, and um, and then it goes in verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. I want to pause there for a second because I do feel like the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. When you're a person who worships generously, when you give generously, when you live your life according to the word of God, it's going to change the atmosphere around you. Does your house smell like you've been anointing the father? I think that I think some of us need to take a little bit more charge of the atmosphere in our homes. I think some of you guys have let the situation, whatever life is happening, to have control over the atmosphere of your homes. And the Lord says, no, your stress doesn't get to be the fragrance in your home. Your past doesn't get to be the fragrance in your home. Your fear doesn't get to be the fragrance in your home. He wants his praises, your worship to him, to create 
the fragrance in your home. And that takes work. It takes consistent work. Verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, he, uh, he said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This, he said, not that he was cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. So Judas Iscariot, if you're new to the gospel, the story goes after this, they end up having a dinner together where Jesus reveals to his 12 disciples. 12 disciples were the men who Jesus chose to walk with him, the closest of all of his followers. He taught them day, he taught them night, he taught them how to live, how to walk, how to treat people. He taught them how to, how to interpret the, the old covenant and how the new covenant was coming. He was teaching them directly to be the fathers of the future church. And he knew that one of his 12 were going to be the ones to betray him, to start the process towards his crucifixion. Judas, so John is writing this with hindsight. So um, John is not gracious towards Judas. <laughs> and I probably want to be either, honestly. Um, he never lets Judas be confused for the other Judas because there was another Judas. He's like, this is the one who betrayed him. And because of his behavior, they actually look at all the things he did a little bit differently. They're like, this is the guy. And so even in that moment, oh, remember he said that? You know, like I can just imagine when he's, he's like, man, Judas did what? Oh, yeah. Remember when we were at dinner and Mary washed um, Jesus's feet with um, the oil and cleaned his feet with her hair? And remember what Judas said? Because his heart was revealed in later days. And so as we look at this story of a generous act versus a selfish response, um, we get to know a little bit about where Judas's heart was. And this is how we can, we can know that even though he said in the moment what seems like pretty practical, like, man, that's a really valuable thing. It could be used for the poor, right? Like that seems to be a really um, churchy thing to say. Like there's a better way to use the money. We're not using the money on um, our lavish whatever, whatever. We're using it for the poor. Like that seems to be the right way to respond. But Jesus knew, his disciples knew later that Judas had an issue. He had an issue of greed. He actually wasn't even, he didn't even have an issue of greed. He had actually had an issue of theft where he was stealing from his friends the whole time. And so Judas revealed to us that those who are unwilling to give are usually the most cynical of the giving of others. And that's hard. Hard, hard, hard. As we look at, how many of you guys deal with some judgmental thoughts? You don't have to raise your hand. But I would raise my hand, because sometimes I judge people, right? I'm just like, oh, why did they do that? You know what I mean? Even just the question, questioning their motives, right? Like, we'll question people's motives. I wonder if they did that for this, or I wonder if, you know, like, we have these kind of thoughts that pass by. And I know that from reading here, from um, understanding Judas's response that really makes sense in the moment, kind of calling into question something that might make sense, it actually reveals an area of issue that he has in his heart. 
And so if you are a person who you regularly have similar judgments about people, you might want to trace it back. Trace back your judgments to find out if it's actually landing in a place that you actually have an issue. Because in this instance, where it seems like he's, he's projecting something that seems really holy, it's actually just revealing something that needs to be surrendered. Just revealing, like, hey, I, I have an issue here, but he's veiling it by these good works, these good words. What are you really cynical of when it comes to people's generosity? Cynical just means like you doubt its value. Like you, you belittle its worth a little bit. Like it's not a big deal, whatever. Why is everybody making a big deal about that? You know what I mean? Cynical, you, you, re, you resize its value in your heart. Where is your cynical? Um, I, I know I hear it a lot. People have a cynical attitude about helping homeless people. A cynical attitude as a community. Because we don't trust it. We don't understand it. Um, we, have we have adjusted um, our perception of value. We have a cynical view. Where does that come from? Where should it be? I think we have a cynical view sometimes of people who have mental health issues. Cynical view. Just a couple. The greatest enemy of generosity is selfishness. So in this story, Judas was unable to celebrate with Mary. So Mary was so excited about what God has done. And she, her, her understanding of who Jesus was started to grow. So she just had to lay it all down, right? She had to give a, uh, a huge gesture. Have you ever had somebody give you um, a gift that was just a massive gesture, like a, a huge stroke of love, a huge gesture of love, a huge sign of love? She had to do that. She was so compelled. And um, that's something to be celebrated, right? Like imagine going to a wedding and just being like, hmm, I don't know even why he's with her. You know what I mean? Like there are people, and I, um, there's people who have some of those thoughts, but it's like it, instead of being at the wedding and celebrating what's happening, he's sitting back on his seat and his selfishness means he can't even be excited about what's happening right here. He just gets to judge it. He's just judging it. I can't even be excited. I remember there was, um, my husband and I, we got married really young. And uh, a lot came with that. Like whatever ducks in a row you're supposed to have, we had zero, okay, zero ducks. Um, I always say to young people, like the ducks we had were that we loved each other and we loved Jesus. And we were going to kind of go with that. <laughs> we love the Lord. Okay. We're going to go with whatever that means. And so we kind of would, we would kind of make decisions based on that fact. That's all we had. We didn't really have education. We didn't have plans. We had nothing. Don't follow us. But it, it led us, <laughs> it led us to a pretty extended season of had no money. We had no money. We actually moved down South with enough money for one month's rent. And then, and we had like two days of being married and they're like, better go find jobs you know, because we had no jobs. And so we were running around looking for jobs. Anyways, it's bad. Um, I don't like, you know, whatever. But during that season, I remember feeling like, um, so there was that season of poverty, which was actually literally one of the best years of our lives. Um, I can say that very confidently um, because we loved each other and we loved Jesus. We came back home and our season of poverty continued. We did not have enough. We did not have enough finances. We couldn't make ends meet. 
Um, my husband decided to go to the police academy, um, which cost money, and then he had to stop working, which just was really bad for people who are struggling financially. Really bad. I was like, cool, beans, yeah, quit, quit working, that's great. Um, cynical, I had a cynical response. <laughs> um, and during that season, I was afraid. And in that season, um, I would, and I, I do the bills, I'm organized in that way. Um, and I remember the first line on our bills as I was taught as a kid is uh, giving, to give 10%. I was taught to me very, very young. My mom used to give me $2 and I would have to figure out the math in order, no, 20 cents goes to the Lord. So I learned that very, very little. So even in our season of poverty, I had that as the first line, we're gonna give. And I tell you, that was the first line that got questioned every single month. It was the first line. I was like, Lord, I don't have enough. How can I do that? How can I do that? And who was I thinking about in that moment? Self. It's all about me. And that's not bad to be concerned for self because poverty is real. Hunger is real. Being cold in the winter is real. So I don't have judgment on people who are concerned, right? That's, that's not where I'm at. I've been there before where I'm like, man, it doesn't line up. I don't know what to do. Fear starts to rise. And I actually think the, enemy of, the enemy, greatest enemy of generosity is selfishness. And selfishness is fueled by fear. Selfishness is fueled by fear because I don't believe I have enough I can't make it work. I need more. I, sometimes I wonder about how much it would take for me to feel secure if I didn't have Jesus. And I tell you, it's endless. I would need an endless amount to feel secure. Um, but in those moments, I would look at the line. I would look at the line item on our budget, and I was like, hey, I don't think we can give. I don't think we could give. And I would take it to the Lord, like, can I not give, Lord? And he would never say yes. <laughs> he never said yes. And so literally with tears, <laughs> I would write the check. And I would say, you can have it, Lord. <laughs> and I want it back. <laughs> can you give it back? Because otherwise we don't eat. You know what I mean? Like there are seasons. And that, it doesn't feel like wisdom. It does not feel like wisdom. And I believe that there's grace if you're in that situation and you've chosen the other way. I believe there's grace. But let me tell you what the Lord did. <laughs> When we were faithful with our nothing, he was so faithful to us. It's where I would get a check in the mail. I'd get groceries at my doorstep. Um, there would be people who would just buy me random stuff. The faithfulness of the Lord was revealed in my season of need. It was revealed. I saw him different. I saw him like I've never seen him before. And so the greatest enemy of generosity is selfishness. If you only are concerned with you and don't have your eyes on the Father, you will hoard whatever it is. Whatever it is, you'll hoard your time, you'll hoard your talents, and you will hoard your treasures if your eyes are on you, just like Judas. Judas didn't want for anything. He was rolling with Jesus Christ. He wanted for nothing. When Jesus was hungry, what did he do? He multiplied the bread and fish to feed thousands. They wanted for nothing, and yet he was stealing from the king of kings because he was focused on self. He and so it's not about not having enough, right? Your heart issue is not always about not having enough. A lot of times we have heart issues even though we have plenty, 
We can have plenty and still have heart issues, which is why I always caution, if you got a lot of money, you best be checking your generous card. Because if your hands start to be clenched to protect what you have instead of open to whatever the Lord says to do, he will reveal in you some issues you have of your heart, not issues of your bank account. Okay? Some of us feel like we don't have issues of our heart because we don't have issues of our bank account. And the Lord says, hey, Judas didn't have issues with the bank account. He held the box. But let me tell you, he's had some issues of the heart. It was selfishness that got him there. And here's the beautiful thing. Let me tell you, if you're struggling with an enemy, if you're struggling with somebody who's hurt you, if you struggled, read all the instances of Jesus operating with Judas because it will soften your heart. Sometimes I'm mad at people for like having a snarky comment on social media on somebody else's page. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, that person, oh, you know what I mean? Like I can be, I can be offended by, I'm easily offended sometimes, right? And here's Jesus who knows all hanging out with the one who would betray him. And even though he knows that he's a thief and he knows like those things are not a secret to Jesus, but he still operates with grace. God called Judas out in grace in that moment as he still does with us. It doesn't make sense that Judas, the one with the issue of greed, had the box. That does not make sense. I would be like, "Uh, Jesus, I question your leadership abilities. You know what I mean? Like it, it would start to cause us to question. And here's the thing is oftentimes your area of gifting might actually be connected with your area of issue. Okay, and so I I believe that Judas was a wise man with finances. I believe he was good at it. Like, I think he had an eye for money. He knew what he was doing. Um, So it was connected to his issue. And so some of you guys, you have, you have a talent of worship, right? You have this amazing platform gift. You have this instrumentalism. Most likely that'll, that, that'll be connected with an issue with showmanship, It's going to be connected because the enemy always takes what the Lord has intended for good and he tries to twist it into brokenness. He tries to twist it. If you have, um, if you have the gift of hospitality um, where you have, you have this ability just to make people feel super, super comfortable. Sometimes that's going to be connected with your area of issue because you can't say no. Or you you don't know how to uh, set a boundary, a healthy boundary. And then you you feel uh, used and abused. A lot of times your area of gifting is connected to your area of issue. Um, they call it like the, the, the dark side of the coin. So that's what's happening here is Judas, he actually has a gift and the Lord's dealing with him in grace. He's not snatching that box away. He's giving him time, chance after chance after chance, time and time again to do the right thing. And so here's the thing. Here's a lie that I've told myself. Well, he didn't take it from me, so it must, I must have done it okay, right? Sometimes we're looking, as Christians, we're looking for the closed door, right? Like, if the Lord didn't like it, he would have shut the door. He didn't shut the door on Judas. He let Judas keep the box. He let him keep the box in his presence. He kept the box that he was stealing from. And instead of taking the box and be like, oh, this is for your own good, I'm going to take the box. Well, in that instance, he let him keep the box. And he was just going to tell him again. So don't always look for the thing being taken from you as the only way that the Lord does um, growth in your life. Matthew 6, 19, 
21 says, or 19 through 21, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it is safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Other translation says, um, where your heart is, that's, or where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Young ladies often ask me, they're like, hey, I got a new boyfriend. And I'm like, cool beans. And I'll ask them, I'm like, does he love Jesus? Well, he goes to church sometimes. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. That's a, not an answer, but it's cool. Um, <laughs> and then I'll ask them, um, is he really nice to his mom? I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, you need to find out. Is this boy nice to his mom? That's an indicator. And then if they're older, teenagers, this doesn't matter. But when they're older, I'm like, what does he do with his money? Because where his treasure lies, there his heart will be. I knew immediately my husband's heart was in burritos and Big Macs. <laughs> when I checked our finances, like, I better feed this man. <laughs> I'll keep him forever. <laughs> But where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. Okay? And I want my heart to be on Jesus so he can have all my treasures. Right? He can have it all. And sometimes that stings. Sometimes I do not like it. I can say it, but living it out is really, really hard. But luckily, God calls us out in grace. And I hope today you get another chance. If you're feeling like, man, I didn't do it. I haven't been doing it. I haven't been living generously. Let me tell you, there's another chance. Because where I was in generosity years ago as a person who struggles to feel, I've, I've not had enough a lot of my life, okay? I, I grew up without um, the cool things. I, whatever the cool thing was, I never had it, <laughs> okay? And so I grew up thinking like, oh man, I really wish. I always had this wishing feeling. I wish I could have a cooler car. I wish I could have, I wish I could have had a car. You know what I mean? I always had this, I wish I had. And so sometimes that, um, that habit of my childhood comes back and says, let me hold on to this because I finally got it. Right. And so, um, but the Lord deals with me slowly. He deals with me graciously. He's like, Candace, it's not yours. I gave that to you. It's mine. So if I ask you to give it up, what are you going to say? And the Lord asked this about me about all the things. Candace, what if I asked you for your Mondays? My Mondays are my Sabbath day. That's my day of rest. And every now and then, he has a person call me on my Monday. They call me on my Monday. And I love to ignore people on Monday. If you call me on Monday and I know it's not an emergency, you will not get an answer from me. I go into a dark hole <laughs> and I just worship the Lord by myself. But every now and then, he asks for my Monday. And he's like, this is my day too. I was like, you got it, God. You can have it. I'll go do, you know, X, Y, Z. And it's not always easy. But I'm trying to be generous to the Lord. Lavish upon him the best I have. Whatever my best is. Just like Mary, she took the most valuable thing in her house and broke it open. Never to be used by herself again. It's not like she could recycle that. Let me scoop it up, you know, off Jesus' feet in the floor and get some for later. No, she gave it in a way where it's never hers again. So our time on this earth is short. We need to be people who invest in eternity. And that's a different lifestyle, okay? Um, I'm not opposed to yachts. I'm pretty pro-yacht. If anybody has one, invite me. <laughs> I believe, I believe, okay? Just invite me on your yacht. I'll be, we'll be best friends. Um, I'm not opposed to healthy 401ks. 
okay? I'm not opposed to making sure that your income is greater than your outcome. Like, I'm not opposed to any of those things. But I do want to be a people who invest in eternity. And so sometimes that means shoring up some of the other luxuries in order to make sure there's space for the Lord to use us to make sure souls exist in heaven. It's costly work. It is costly work, the nets that we're throwing to make sure people have a chance to be here. It costs your time. It's going to cost your um, finances. It's going to cost your talents. It's costly work building those nets. And the Lord says that we are not just fishers of fish, but we are fishers of men. We have a task before us. And I'm not interested in going to heaven without a train of people behind me that I was a part of bringing. <laughs> That's what I'm aiming for. I want a train. I want like a thou thousands of people to go to heaven because I built my nets to catch them. That's what I'm aiming for, which means sometimes I don't go out to eat. Can I just be super, like, frank? Like, the way that it works for me is sometimes I'm aiming for eternity, which means I have to put a stop on some things in this temporal world. I want to put a pause on that because I'm aiming for something bigger. And I explain this to my kids all the time. They're like, do we not have money? I'm like, we got plenty of money, but we're using it forever. We're using it for a forever, which means we're investing in the kingdom, which means we live sacrificially. We live different. And it's, sometimes it's hard. Let me go into a little bit about Mary, because Mary's, Mary's the man. <laughs> man, the way she worshiped the Lord. It says in John 12, verse 3, Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. A generous heart is a sign of a grateful heart. A generous heart is a sign of a grateful heart. Mary was so grateful that Jesus saved her brother that she had to give her best in order to, to give him an adequate thank you. Some people in this house are really good at thank you cards. Um, there's some people where I, I do very little. Like I, I will like um, kind of pat them on the back and I get a thank you card the next day in the mail. I'm just like, who can live that way? Like I don't understand. People have such gifts of gratitude and these habits and I'm just like, I can never measure up, ladies. Like stop sending me thank you cards because it makes me feel really bad because I'll never measure up to that. But in general, um, I, I just, I can sense a heart of gratitude. And so sometimes when people, People, when you sense that somebody did something for you, it is in our nature when somebody does that, that we, we pour out some gratefulness on them, right? And so sometimes I know when I'm struggling to be um, not self-seeking, when I'm struggling to be generous, I recognize that I've gotten my eyes on my issues and I've gotten them off of the goodness of God. When I keep my eyes on the goodness of God, I feel like the whole world is up, um, it's up for grabs. Like I, I then operate with the treasures of heaven Heaven, not just my own bank account, right? When I keep my eyes on God, I'm like, man, if the Lord says to give it, he kind of owns everything, so I'm sure he'll make a way. And I'm grateful for it, so I'm going to go ahead and be used. I'm grateful for what God has done. I'm going to go ahead and be used. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 4, that God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When we were dead, he gave us life. And I think that some of us don't realize this. Like when we became a Christian, what was dead came to life. We are a body. We are a soul, which means we have uh, thoughts, we have uh, emotions, we have ideas and hopes for our lives. That's our soul. But we also have a spirit, 
And before Jesus, your spirit was dead. And before Jesus, your spirit was heading to hell. Before Jesus, sin had a hold on you and you were going nowhere. But because of Jesus, we get to be alive today. He gets to set us free. We get to sing about victory. We get to sing about victory and not just from a place of hope, but from a place of, I've lived it. How many guys have been victorious over something in your days? And so when we sing those songs like, man, the Lord has changed something in my heart. And so I sing out of gratitude, not out of obligation, but out of gratitude. I lay my praises before the feet of the Father. It is not out of compulsion. It is not. And it's because I realized that what was dead is now alive. It has nothing to do with how much money I have. It has nothing to do with the health of my children. It has nothing to do with whether I'm respected in this house. It has everything to do with the fact that my spirit was dead and now it's alive. So I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. I will give him my best. I will dance and I will shout and I will sing because I know my spirit was dead and now it's alive. That's the only fact I need. That's it. Everything else can come after that. It just adds to the party. Because then the Lord starts to lay it on. He starts to lay on some blessings, guys. He lays on some blessings. I tell you what, there's some generosity in this house. There's a young lady, I've been praying for her um, for maybe a year now, maybe eight months to a year. Um, and she's homeless. And she's been living in her car and she's been having a hard time. I've just been encouraging her, telling her, you got this, you can do this. The Lord, she's given her life to the Lord and she's in love with Jesus right now. And she's just trying to line up her life according to the pattern of scripture. I'm just watching her do it. She doesn't have her kids right now. There's a lot of things that have been rough in her days. She's been trying to line it up with the scriptures, um, line it up with the way that Lord's calling her to live. And she came and told me, she's like, listen, um, I found out she's been living in her car. And she's like, did you know that if you have a gym membership, you have access to a shower? And so she got a gym membership and allowed her to have clean, uh, be clean because of showers on a regular basis. So she got a good job. So she's been working her way out of the pit, right? And she told me while she was still homeless, she's like, did you know? And so I was just like thinking of encouraging her. I'm like, way to go, way to be so smart, getting showers, you know? But she said, but you know what I've been doing? I, I made it so that I could afford three other people to have those memberships. Woo! <laughs> Next level generosity, guys. She's still in her car, <laughs> paying for three other people who are homeless to have gym memberships so that they can get a good job. Generosity doesn't start when you have plenty. It starts in the heart right now. Okay? There's another man. His finances are in, you know, good order. And so when we, he found out that we were um, going to camp, he came up to Pastor Tyler and he's like, listen, I want to send a lot of kids to camp. How many kids? I, you know what? I think I'm going to send eight kids. Eight kids. He sent eight kids to camp for free. That's well over $2,000 worth of giving to make sure that kids can go and experience a kind of a mind-blowingly awesome weekend with the Lord. The generosity in this house is pretty wild. It's pretty wild. So I know you guys have got this. Um, and I believe that God rewards a generous heart. God rewards a generous heart. And you see it throughout scripture. It's not about the amount. It's not about the amount. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. It's about your heart. And so you can give a ton and have a yucky heart. And he knows it. And that should scare you. <laughs> You ain't getting away with that, you know? 
God rewards a generous heart. It says in Matthew 26, 10 through 13, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. What a reward from the king of kings for a woman lavishing upon him the generosity of her worship. We're talking about her today. I'm going to have you guys stand. I'm going to read a scripture and we're going to pray. 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously supply or provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Um, I want to pray right now. I, I really feel like the Lord wants me to pray with people who are struggling with debt. Because if you're struggling with debt, if it's really difficult to feel like you have uh, run over. The run over is where we're supposed to operate from. And if you're struggling with debt, you don't, you don't feel like you have run over. So if you're struggling with debt, everybody head bowed, everybody eyes closed. If you're struggling with debt, let's just lift our hands. If you're struggling to feel generous because you're struggling with debt, I, I believe the Lord wants to, to shift some stuff in the way that you're living. He wants to set you free from debt, but it's not going to be a thing that he just like all of a sudden your bank account says like positive things, right? He's going to shift something in your mindset. He's going to shift something in, um, in the way that he pours out to you. So my God, I love the hands lifted high in, in honesty, my God, to you. Thank you, God, for the transparency and honesty happening right now in this room. And I pray right now for your abundance to flow out. I pray right now for, for those treasures that really come, the, the gift that we have, the access to heavenly generosity, God, that just to flow over these individuals. I pray, Father, for wisdom. I pray, God, for self-control. My God, I pray that there would be a wise ways of spending, that, that they would not uh, spend more than they make, my Lord, that they would not feel the pressure to keep up with the way that everybody else is living, my Lord. I pray that there would be freedom from fear in Jesus' name. I do pray, God, that you would just give them um, this, this uh, abundance, Father, that there would just be an overflow that allows them just to pay it off, pay it off, pay it off, pay it off. My God, I pray that you would give them raises in their jobs, that you would give them extra hours and overtime, and that you would give them ways to get right financially so that we can give, so that we can give, my God, because we want to please you. We want to be a good example, my God, and we want to pour out abundance on those who are in need in Jesus' name. And I want to pray for a people. You just put your hands down. We're just going to pray for an increase in, in a heart of generosity. And if that's what you want, go ahead and just raise your hand. My hand will be up. I need a better heart of generosity. Because sometimes I know that there's opportunities to give, but I feel like I judge that person's um, motivation. <laughs> I feel like I judge if they deserve it or not. Like if they didn't earn it, then I shouldn't give it. You know, I don't want to hurt them by not, you know. There's all these thoughts in my mind. But man, God, would you open up my heart to be generous? to give, even if it's sacrificially, to give even if somebody doesn't deserve it, because my God, you gave to us when we did not deserve it. <laughs> my God, you gave to us freely. You gave to us lavishly. My God, would we look at you and would we uh, allow you to be the demonstration of our generous heart, create in us a grateful heart, God. I pray for any of us who have become cynical or bitter 
My Lord, would you set us free? Would you heal that in us? Would you root that out? Would you allow us to look at people, people groups, systems, Father, and have hope? <laughs> Roll back the judgment, my Lord. <laughs> I pray for even opportunities today. I want your people, Lord, all of the church, just to be known as a people who will help, to be known as a people who will serve, to be known as a people who will love. Would you help us to be that people making you famous? <laughs> Let's make you famous today. Change our hearts, God. Soften us, my Lord, all for your glory. All for your glory, my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at caseyhamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.